Welcome to the I Am Vinyl podcast. My name is Pete LaRussa, and I'm here with Joey once again from the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. And we are here today to discuss Record Store Day 2021 drop number one, which took place on June 12th, 2021. And so like the last few previous Record Store Day events, I purchased my picks at Good Records, thanks to Joey sitting right over there. And we're gonna discuss our picks today and play some tracks from my picks. So without any further ado, why don't we just go right on ahead and talk about the first pick. And so I know this is a shared one that Joey and I both purchased and it's one of my favorites of the six that I purchased and probably one of my favorite of all of the live Record Store Day editions that have been put out by various bands. Holy shit, is this one fucking great. Ooh, yeah. I mean, this is kind of, yeah, this is kind of one of those titles. I was saying this is what Record Store Day should be all about. Uh, If it's not going to be about limited releases of like cult titles, which it should be that, but limited live releases with, you know, medium to slight limited appeal, this (laughs) is a perfect title. And I don't mean to be disparaging by saying that, just that, you know, like the hardcore Def Leppard fans are going to care about this. And it's not so much a snobby thing as it is just like, first of all, it takes a certain fan to want live albums Yeah. for the most part. Uh, And then it takes a certain fan to hit that particular era of Def Leppard. So this is, like I said, a perfect title for Record Store Day. And man, I don't know if they've just been sitting on these tapes and they hadn't mastered them, but it's probably a good thing because this thing sounds so good. Oh, yeah. It's, it's got that, uh, without using the cliche, even though I'm going to use it right now, it does kind of sound like you're in the room. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to have, like, just – I actually hit up a few of my friends over there in Great Britain. Uh, so I'll give an extra shout-out to Chris Riley and stuff. But uh, What's up, Chris? He, I, I asked him if he had uh, been at any of these early, early, early shows, but it seems like they were pretty regional. So he's like, I didn't see him until, like uh, – you know, a few tours after this so wow. you definitely had to have been there you know new theater in oxford is not a famous venue from what i know right and that's where this was recorded but it's just one of those really cool things it's almost like coming across one of those old van halen recordings and at this point i'll take what i can get as far as the range of quality goes but you see these song titles on here and i'm not like the hardcore fan that knows okay this song became that song but this is one of mm-hmm. those live sets where this song did become a song that we all know. We got songs that wound up on Pyromania quite a bit on this. Yeah, let's and well, high, first high and all, dry. First of all, so, I want yeah. to mention the, the title because we're, we are on YouTube as well as the audio podcast. We're talking about Def Leppard, and this is called When the Walls Came Tumbling Down, New Theater, Oxford, 26th of April, 1980. And that happens to be my fourth birthday right there. All right. And so... What Joey is referring to is, yes, there are, there are a couple of songs. I believe you're referring to Medicine Man and When the Rain Falls. Mm-hmm. Medicine Man has parts of what became Rock, Rock, Till You Drop, right? Yeah. And When so, the Rain yeah. Falls has parts that became Let It Go. Yes. There is that element, like Joey just described. But the recording, and, you know, I don't know if this is, um, you know, soundboard. I have to imagine, like, they, they were able to you know, take this and, and actually give it like a proper mix, but the mix quality yeah. is unbelievable. 
It sounds like Eddie Kramer sitting outside in a van in a mobile recording this. That's how good it sounds. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, I mean, it 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 has almost all. It has the oomph of like the most classic live albums you've ever heard. So this one, I mean, it's not the sleeper because a lot of people know about it that are into it, but I'd say it's probably the most essential of like the rarities because I don't see this one coming out on a regular basis. Uh, well, I so... hadn't known until um, Andrea Verderame had told me, but this had been out there on Spotify and streaming for a while. Well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, everything from the, even the packaging, you know, as you were showing, very, very nice inner sleeves. They use the yeah. black Rafola center ring label. Yeah. yeah, the photo collage in the gay fold is badass. Like, that's just, it's a great package. It's a great release. It goes on that list I like to call the best, least obvious live albums. Because at this point, no one's going to knock off the big bigs off of, the, off of their totem pole, like Live and Dangerous and Strangers right. in the Night and Alive. But this one deserves to be in the also mentions as far as like, if you're going to make an alternate list of great live albums, I would like to submit this one. When yeah. the walls came tumbling down, yeah. it is I mean, so good. I think you great agree. snapshot of early 80s British hard rock. So. Yeah, and you know, I'm one of those Def Leppard fans that prefers the very early period over anything. You know, I like Hysteria. I love Pyromania, but man, give me those first two records any day of the week first and I'll, I'll be listening to them, you know, before those. It's just how I feel about, you know, Def Leppard. I've always preferred, like, the very earliest period when they were really, really hungry. And this release def definitely captures that, you know, tenfold. Yeah. So it's a, I, it's a nice companion to the Def Leppard EP from a few years ago on Record Store Day. So, like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. the last few years, I've gotten the Def Leppard releases. Like, and like I said, I got the Hall of Fame live one. It's fine, you know, it's, but like this thing, this thing's next level. Like I would not say the Hall of Fame one's a must own, but this one is absolutely a must own. So you know. I, even though it's, you know, it's, it's record store day and you know, as much as I love the whole thing of it being limited, this one's limited to 4,000 copies, but I would like to see it get a, a wider release. I, I think, you know, more fans should be able to get this one if they were shut out on this initial run, you know, I wouldn't be mad if it came out, you know, again. So maybe just kind of repress it every few years, you know, like I, I, I don't think it's a great idea to like do it in mass or anything, but yeah, I, I cause I think at some point everybody who wants to own this is going to own it and, yeah. and that's great. And that's fine. Like, I mean, but yeah, if you care enough about it, if you're a fan of the early period, me, I'm a Steve Clark 100% guy, you know, so Definitely need to have all the Steve stuff. Yeah. And yeah. So I can't say enough nice things about it. Let's just move on. Get it. Well, before we move Oh, yeah. On, we got to do songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> let's do that first. Oh. So I was going to say, I was going to ask you right now. I was going to say, it's so tough. I was, you know, I listened to this like three or four times already. And I'm talking about the vinyl and the uh, the digital copy that, that came with this. So I. I've been kind of wrestling with this one, you know, like picking, picking a song. Yeah. You know, I, I could go with one of the ones that we, we talked about before medicine man or when the rain yeah. falls simply for, you know, showcasing some of the parts of what became, yeah. you know, more sure. widely known Def Leppard songs later. But yeah, so let's, love, let's go with, let's go with one of those and one of the known ones and one of the early ones. Let's do that. Let's split them. So you want to do two songs? Yeah. 
let's let's do like a let's do one that everybody would know and let's do one of those early ones. Okay. Well, this is a tough one for me. I fucking I love Wasted. You know, that's one of my top favorite early Def Leppard songs. I love the version of Hello America on here. Like every chorus, whoever's doing the background vocal on that, it's like nailing it as like nearly perfect of how it sounds on the record. So that's just like one of those things that I always focus on is sometimes with background harmonies. That really stands out for me. It was like Hello America or, or Wasted. Rock so, Brigade is killer on this. Yeah, rock, rock Brigade. That, that thing people. smokes. Like I had that in the room at full volume. I was standing right next to the player. It was just like, yes. <laughs> so, well, between Medicine Man and When the Rain Falls, which one do you like better? I'm going to go with Medicine Man because I'm a Rock Rock Till You Drop guy. I like okay. Let It Go, but Rock Rock Till You Drop is one of those riffs I played over and over again when I was early on in my guitar days. So. All right, so let's play Medicine Man. And okay. what about the other song? And let's also mention, too, that they, they have Lady Strange in the set before it was yeah. on High and Dry. Mm-hmm. Oh, great, yeah. Great version on here, too. Yeah. But everything from On Through the Night that's on here is, is awesome. So I can go with any of those songs. It's going to be tough. But which one would you pick? Would you pick, uh, would you pick Rock Brigade, Hello America, Wasted, uh, even you know the title track for this, When the Walls Came Down? Right. Let's go with Hello America. You convinced me on it. Let, let's go with that. All right. So... We're going to play Medicine Man and Hello America from Def Leppard when the walls came tumbling down. But first, let's go to number two. Let's stop for a sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. We're not, we're not one of those shows. Have you tried Snapple today, Robin? <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> and Jackie and Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, now we had our Howard Stern moment. Let's um, move yeah, on yeah. to release number I, two. I don't know. I don't know. Number two on my list here is something that kind of flew under my radar at first, and Joey had to remind me and be like, I think you might have missed this one, sir. It happens. It happens. Uh-oh. Motorhead, talking about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre EP, and this is on a 10-inch picture disc limited to 4,000 copies at 45 RPM. Which means like, and I'm a big Motorhead fan, but they don't sell a lot of records, <laughs> kind of still, unless mm-hmm. it says Ace of Spades on the cover. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of posers out there for Motorhead, and I'm just going to say it right here in public, if you will. you going to say it in public? Uh, yeah, exactly. But, you know, so 4,000 copies, there's no excuse not to get this. Um, unless you, I, I, I don't even know. I don't have, I, I'm actually going to get the Ace of Spades box set at some point here. I don't know if these tracks are on here, but I love that this is recreated. So I, you know, I know Pete, you've gotten a lot of the uh, Motorhead, like seven inches and, and whatnot from RSD the last few years. And they're, they're never short on releases for record store day, but I love this because it's an absolute recreation, you know, of the original release and I think that makes it a lot more valid than some of these other ones. I'm not saying that you're wrong for buying those other ones. I'm saying like this is I'm deeply offended. The, yeah, I know, right? This is the kind of thing I was waiting for though, because I had known about this forever. They had these bonus tracks on like the C D version of Ace of Spades back when they first reused them about twenty right. years ago. Uh, but the cool thing is like on the C D version you get please don't touch an emergency, but the B side on this, they throw in Bomber at the end, the girl school version of Bomber. 
which is a nice surprise because honestly, my brain is just trained to hear those first two songs. And then I'm yeah. like just spinning this thing and all of a sudden Bomber comes on by Girls School and I'm like, hell yeah. What a great that bonus. That also kind of makes the original one, you know, even more valuable. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So like this is a great release and man, it is further proof. I know Lemmy went on record a few times saying that Girls School kind of scared him. Like I like how he kind of clung to, if he was going to cling to a female act, it would be somebody that was on par with Motorhead from a lifestyle and just, you know, scary standpoint, whether it was Wendy O. Williams or girls school, but he's like, these, these girls were heavier than most guys. They could drink all the guys under the table. They were the real deal. And, uh, you know, like they look, they even look tougher on the album cover than Motorhead does. Like Motorhead just kind of laid back here. Like they're like ready to go to war. And I love that. Girl School, one of the great bands that people haven't heard, uh, at least in the States, but they should. Uh, all you got to do is put on a handful of their songs and you'll be sold on them. What was the Kiss song that Girl School covered? They covered Do You Love Me. That's I think that was on the... They were another one. one the, I forget what album it's on. I should know that. I have it somewhere here. But uh, yeah, if you just put on like, uh, you know, the Hit and Run record you'll be sold on them. And this is a, and the please don't touch duet is one of the great duets ever. Awesome. And I, I even, I even sold this blind to like uh, these shoppers and they had, they checked off all the boxes on what a motorhead and girl school fan should be. Like they were like tattooed rock chicks they had some leather on, you know, and the, I was like, this is, this is like what y'all look like, you know? And I mean that in the best possible way. Like you put this on, it's just, Please don't touch is just sex, leather, tattoos, and whatever, like on wax, and it's great. And it's a nice picture disc, and it sounds great. Yeah. 35 speed. Yeah. It's, so that's it's the another... next thing I was going to say is, you know, for a lot that's said about picture discs and the, and the audio quality, I think you and I can both agree that in more recent years, you know, picture disc quality has gone up in terms of the audio. It's not just, you know, the throwaway for collectors anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah, 100%, 100%, you're right. Yeah, you're actually sound. getting good quality. This is um, this is from BMG, so I don't know who presses BMG's stuff, but once again, you know, great job. So are we going to play Please Don't Touch, or, I mean... Yeah, I mean, let's, let, let, yeah, let's, not, let's not bury the lead. Let's go with the big A side on this one, because, you know, some people still haven't heard this song, and they should. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. So, let's go into our first batch of songs now. We're going to play... From Def Leppard, When the Walls Came Tumbling Down, we're going to play Medicine Man, followed by Hello America, and that's going to go right into Mo to Head and Girl School. Head Girl. <laughs> head Girl. That was, that was what they used to perform under when they would do the song. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for that added fact. As we go into, once again, Def Leppard, Medicine Man, Hello America, live from when the walls came tumbling down, right into Motorhead from the St. Valentine's Day Massacre EP with the A-side, Please Don't Touch. Thank you!
Def Leppard, live from When the Walls Came Tumbling Down, April 26th, 1980, the new theater in Oxford with Medicine Man, followed by Hello America, leading right into Motorhead with Girl School from the St. Valentine's Day Massacre EP, 40th Anniversary Limited Edition Picture Disc, 10-inch, with Please Don't Touch. And now we're going to get into my next pick. This is one that Joey did not pick up. And it is Rage Against the Machine, The Battle of Mexico City. Yeah. I'm not a hater. I, I actually do like Rage. So, uh, and this would this would have been the tour I would have liked to have seen him on too, for the record, because Battle of Los Angeles is my favorite Rage Against the Machine album. There you go. Not a popular opinion, but it's my opinion. I like that record. I know. I remember there being some some criticism when that record came out, and I was kind of like shocked like i don't understand why you know some people are not really favoring this album too much but i thought yeah. that record was great and um yeah. it's like their dance album but it's kind of it kind of suits them weirdly enough uh but like how does how does the live album sound yeah well i was just going to get to that the the live yeah. album the, the quality is pretty good again i'm not really sure if it's full soundboard or if this thing was given like a, a proper mix but you know sound quality is great and the vinyl is green and red, so I'm holding up LP number one right now, the green LP. Okay. And this one is limited to 12,350 copies, so this one <laughs> probably one of the easiest ones to get, I would imagine. That makes, that makes sense. I'm like, I'm seeing the, the, the one that I'm seeing out and about, like post record store day, that's kind of the one I'm seeing everywhere, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, 12,000, that's... It's somewhat a little yeah. more than limited, but yeah. you know, for I, a live yeah. album, also, yeah. like, yeah. And here's the red LP number two because it was recorded on Christmas, right? It's, uh, I'm gonna look on the back cover in a second, but I don't know. I'm kidding, it's obviously for Mexico City, so because <laughs> the, the white label in the middle, and oh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> right over my head. Sorry about that, <laughs> but. So they're going to do their version of Christmas wrapping to represent the album? Can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> I'd pay cash to hear that. Well, oh, I'm doing the Christmas in Hollis. <laughs> oh, they, oh, that would be tremendous. See, see, I wasn't... Oh, you're talking about Christmas wrapping. Um, that's uh, yeah, the waitresses. waitresses. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Why? Because I guess it's kind of like a rap, you know. So it's just like I was like, imagine uh, Zach doing that. Fact about the, the waitresses that I always like to throw out there. 
Ooh. The drummer, the drummer that played in television, is the drummer that's in the waitresses. I don't remember his name, but I just always thought that was kind of fun. No, no, that's really neat. You know, New York City band. Yeah. Cool, um, influential band. And uh, the lady uh, Patty, I believe, is her name. Patty Donahue, I think. She uh, sang a little bit on the Zipper Catches Skin album by Alice Cooper. So. Oh wow, I didn't know that. There you go. Bonus Waitresses Factoid as we're reviewing Rage Against the Machine Battle for New Mexico. Exclusively here on the I Am Vinyl Podcast. Yes. (laughs) Here's my Jewish Priest impersonation. (laughs) So I'll get into um, the set list really quickly here and then we're going to pick a track from this one. So you got Testify, Gorilla Radio, People of the Sun, Calm Like a Bomb, Sleep Now in the Fire, Born of a Broken Man, Bomb Track, Know Your Enemy, no Shelter, War Within a Breath, Bulls on Parade, Killing in the Name, Zapata's Blood, Freedom, and Township Rebellion. So what are we playing, Joey? You pick it. My absolute favorite Rage Against the Machine song is War Within a Breath. I would love to hear that version. That is the one that I'm going to play then. <laughs> All right. I do believe so, yes. That was a quick decision. So here it is. It's recorded live in Mexico City on October 28th. 1999. It's right there on the hype label on vinyl for the first time. So, the battle for Devil's Night. So we will play War Within a Breath from Rage Against the Machine, the Battle of Mexico City, and we're going to move on next. I'm pretty sure you got this one too, Joey. Well, we're about to find out. Joey, did you buy Joey? Joey? Oh, just yeah, yes, I did. Yes, I Talk did. Joey Ramones' first solo record. Don't Worry About Me. And this was released originally in 2002, posthumously after he had passed away. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do pick on people that are in love with color variants, but I got to say, since, you know, it was the day and I wanted to get the Joey Ramone album, I do got to say, is that not one of the most beautiful pieces you've ever seen? Yeah. And you got the logo in the middle to boot. And on the back, too, it, it's also pink. Yeah. So I'm holding thing. it up for the YouTube viewers. And for those listening, it is a pink with black splatter vinyl. This one is limited to 2,500 copies. And it says on the hype sticker, limited edition pink and black splatter vinyl to celebrate Joey Ramone's 70th birthday, which would have been this year. That's great. And I know, like, this is like really the only, and I hate to say it this way, but this is like the only real Joey Ramone solo album. Yeah. I actually like a lot of, you know, and it was definitely done with love and care. And I like all the people involved in that, uh, but this one, but I, I like that this is like a, a whole thought and, you know, I mean, I got knocked down is like so heart-wrenching to listen to. Oh yeah, to. It's, it's tough to listen to some of the songs because you know the guy was literally dying while he was recording this. But yeah, uh, you know, this is again one of those albums where, I, you know, when I was listening to it and revisiting it again, it had been a little bit of time since I had listened to it. Yeah. But what would you play from it? I always like Stop Thinking About It. That was always one of my favorite songs on here. That's a really good one, actually. That's not a bad pick, honestly. No, I think you nailed it, man. I mean, I'm looking over the track list here, and I think Stop Thinking About It is a good way to go. And, yeah, and I just will say real quick, last thing about this album that I'll say is that I'm such a – 
we, we both love the Ramones. I feel like I can talk to you about the Ramones a lot, Pete. And, you know, you have like a, I feel like you have a closer connection to them since you're just, you know, kind of in their backyard there over New York, but as a Texas boy, uh, I think I really, I came in during the eighties. So I love a lot of that eighties stuff. And a lot of the material on here really sounds like that era. Like, you know, like it sounds like stuff that could have been on, you know, like subterranean jungle and stuff like that. Like it's kind of that middle era of the band. So if you're mm-hmm. a fan of that era of the band, I would say for sure. I mean, it sounds like a decent follow-up to Adios Amigos. I love Adios Amigos. So that one's hard to beat, but yeah, like I think this is a worthy album for Ramon's collection. And you have a good song picked there. Stop thinking about it. It's a really good one. Let's go with that. Okay. We should also mention that Marky Ramon does play on this record. I, I think he oh, plays Marky on the guitar. Ram- yeah, Marky Ramon plays on it. I like that he Marky. had a... Of the Ramones. I was in the Ramones. Uh, he, I like that his he put his autograph signature on the credit. Like, Did you notice that? Like, If you look at the sleeve, no. it's got all the other guest stars on there. And it's got this like scribble. Like, It's like... Oh, okay, that's Marky. I wanted to give my authentic autograph. <laughs> Daniel Ray suggested it when we were putting the album together. Yeah. It's crazy <laughs> that he played on that just because I'm, I'm, all I can think about is them like fighting on the Howard Stern show. Like, that was, you wear a wig. Yes, that wear was, extensions. That was the most amazing train wreck radio. It was heartbreaking and, and fascinating at the same time. Uh, uh, and yeah. also, there, I guess the bonus track on here really would be the the thing that I had heard prior to this was the 1969 cover, which was on the Iggy Pop We Will Fall tribute. So mm-hmm. that was added in from that because that came from the mid-90s. Oh, okay. uh, but, but of note of that, the really cool thing is that the band on that is basically just the Misfits at the time. So the, it's the oh. Misfits backing up Joey. So uh, that's a little fun note there. That's the only thing that was added in. But it would have been a 10 song album had it not been added in. So that would have been fine too. But yeah, yeah, I, I really liked this album. It was really nice to revisit it. I honestly yeah. hadn't picked it up too much in the last 20 years. Me too. But, but man, it's nice to, it's like, it's like visiting an old friend. It, it was yeah. really nice. So that's, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking like, man, I, I shouldn't have, you know, taken as long to, to, to listen to this in between. Cause it had been a while. I don't remember the last time I put my CD on. Yeah. But and it's not like I didn't never like the album. It's just, you know, kind of like you kind of forget this, you know, it's, you have so much music. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's go to our next segment of songs. So we spoke about the Rage Against the Machine, Double Live LP on green and red vinyl, Battle of Mexico City. We're going to play War Within a Breath from Side C, followed by Stop Thinking About It from the pink with black splatter vinyl of Joey Ramone's first solo album, Don't Worry About Me. Tierra o muerte. Oh, 
Once again, that was Rage Against the Machine from the Battle of Mexico City with War Within a Breath, followed by Joey Ramone with Stop Thinking About It from his first solo album, Don't Worry About Me. And I'm going to go into my last two picks now. And first up, we went from Joey Ramone of the Ramones. We go to another Joey. With Marky Ramone. (laughs) (laughs) With a guest appearance by Marky. Marky. And we're going to now talk about another Joe, Joey. But I don't think he ever went by Joey. Talking about Joe Strummer. And this is a 12-inch picture disc. Both sides (laughs) featuring the song Junko Partner. The A side is an acoustic version which is shorter than the B-side version, which is live at the Brixton Academy from November 24th, 2001. And of course, uh, of course, we talked about Junko Partner on our Sandinista episode. So yeah. go back and check that out in the archives. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how far this song goes back, but the earliest version I've ever heard of it 
is a killer version by Louis Jordan and the Tempany Five. So go look that up. It's pretty okay. great. Uh, but this song has been around forever. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Like some Clash stuff, I've heard the original versions. This is one of those songs I haven't yet heard the original. So I'm going to do that. So yeah. a few other things about this. It's uh, again, obviously, a limited edition picture disc final. This is limited to 3,500 copies. And this one also plays at 45 RPM, just as the Motorhead 10-inch. And as I was saying to you before we were recording, the version that I would prefer is the live version on the B-side. So yeah, let's go yeah, with I've, I've, go I've with heard that. the release attached to this. And yeah, I like that live version. Uh, the, 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 you know, this picture disc, it's really nice, uh, definitely for the hardcore fan, for sure. And good audio quality, too. Another one very well yes. done. Yeah, they found really good audio for this, like, kind of best of Joe archive release. Uh, if you have nothing by him solo-wise, that double album that this thing is kind of promoting, that's, that's a good one to get. That pretty much takes care of it. Uh, not the biggest Mescalero fan, you know. I got but, one record from them. Yeah, it's fine. It's just... Uh, it's hard to really follow. Is it, can you imagine having to follow the Clash catalog? I mean, my God. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, him, him said, and yeah. Nick Jones, you know. Yeah, the yeah. Big audio I, Dynamite I, was pretty successful, though. You know, they, had... they, they did pretty well. I'm not a fan of theirs either. It's just uh, they, they made magic together, and it's just, yeah. it just can't be duplicated. But, yeah, I would say if you have nothing by Joe Solo, get the, uh, the double – retrospective i forget what it's called but it's that yellow one you see in all the stores right now with the uh, little those pictures like that i love what i love about that picture disc of course is the back of his head yeah for the piece that's pretty great you don't see that very much so no. i i definitely applaud that decision for I sure because, too. like i'm like did they actually i guess they took that photo for real i mean if that's if that's them like doing photoshop or whatever it's really well done like i i'm convinced you know but that's a that's a cool idea. Yeah, definitely. Let's play the back of the hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's move on to the next one, my last pick, before we go into the last batch of songs. And this one was definitely uh, a top priority for me, as I've mentioned on this show a few times. I grew up in the early 80s, along you know, with my older brother. We were big fans of The Who growing up. So one of the things that we watched constantly when I was growing up was what was supposed to be the final tour in 1982 when uh, the concert aired on HBO. And I believe it was released on home video after that. And it was yeah. recorded live at the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. So I became a big fan of The Who at an early age. And so yeah, did, didn't one, a certain band open that tour uh, that we just had? That's right, about? The Clash. That's yeah. not the It's Hard Tour. But before the It's Hard Tour, they had another album. It's an album that had recently hit its 40th anniversary of release since it was released on March 16th, 1981. And I am talking about the first album by The Who following the tragic death of Keith Moon. And as John Entwistle would put it on that live concert from 1982, I am talking about the Face Dances album. And this is the 40th anniversary edition. And it's a double LP on yellow and blue heavyweight vinyl. And this is cut at Abbey Road Studios using the half speed mastering process. And it is tagged as an exclusive for Record Store Day 2021. And this one is limited to 6,500 copies. 
All so, right, so let me ask you, Pete. Go ahead. Uh, I consider you a who authority. Mm-hmm. You told me, I was actually joking with you on the phone a few weeks ago. I was like, so how many copies is this of you for face dances? And you actually said, no, I just have one original and then I can get in this one. Yeah, yeah. So which one sounds better? You know, I did listen to the original not too long ago. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say because I haven't really, you know, I haven't really sat down and A-beat it, but. Okay. Um, I'm curious about that whole half speed thing. I know that that's uh, a big selling point for audio files, but well, I, I've I, never I, A-beat it myself. I, I, that's why I kind of leaned on you for that question. So I will say that I did notice the half speed mastering process. You know, like you could, you could tell that there was definitely some special quality put into this. I mean, and I'm, I'm showing the, uh, the records right now. This is record number one. So they do have different labels on each side. Well, as far as the different designs on each side, but they're, um, they're the same on, on both records. It's just, you know, A side is different than the B side. Uh, before I take out the, um, the second record, I just, I just want to also show what this came with. And ah. It comes with a bunch of art prints, which I thought was that, really nice. That's really so, cool. Yeah. So you get these prints of, the images that make up the album cover. I would assume that maybe between that and the color is maybe what makes it the record store day exclusive proper. I mean, I can't imagine they wouldn't keep this in print on black at least. Yeah. I, I, so, I see this one coming out as like a standard edition because, you know, it's yeah. a 40th anniversary edition. I would sure. think they'd want to, you know, celebrate it, uh, you know, yeah. widely. And here's the yellow vinyl. Oh, huh, okay. So I the, didn't expect the, a yellow for some reason. I don't know why I expected, but. And again, <laughs> Yeah. Those labels varying on each side. And I like the little tube the little tube squirting out for yeah. those. That's pretty funny. So you get the really nice quality inner sleeves, you know, not junky paper quality. They they definitely um did a good heavy, job he, Heavy paper as I like to call it. Yeah. 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 So they, they nailed it as far as the the the, the packaging and, and the vinyl. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question about, you know, which pressing is better, I definitely don't want to say, oh, yeah, this is absolutely the better pressing just because it's, it's fresh and new. But I think it's, there's definitely a good possibility that it's better than the original. But, again, yeah. I, I would want to sit and A-B it to really give an honest opinion there. Yeah, like uh, the, cynic in me, the cynic in me wants to say, like, you really can't tell too much of a difference with has-to-be mastering. It's just an excuse to upcharge. You know, like like some other tricks in the in the business, you know. But you know, I, I know that there is a better process, and it's, well, it's supposed I to sound have, better. I do have to say, and I'm I'm not going to talk about this too long, but I want to just say really quickly. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but I opened that pink vinyl edition of Kisses Killers that I that I got recently. That's a half speed master at 45 RPM, whereas okay. this Who Face Dances is not 45 RPM, but it's, it's mastered at, at half speed. Okay. Um, that kiss half speed remaster at 45 RPM. I never heard killers sound that good. Certain really? songs I never heard sound. I never heard like nowhere to run sound better. You wow. know, the, the newer tracks. So I think there might be there. And I've heard people, I've seen people say this, that the 45 RPM plus the half speed mastering does have a pretty positive effect on the audio. So good. 
I would hope wow. so. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's like doubling down on it. You know, it's like we're doing both of these things. Yeah. For any who fans that are even questioning, you know, should I pick this up? Yes. Absolute definite big yes from this fan right here. And the song I want to play is something that I'm going to have the Aux, John Entwistle, introduce. And it is a song from Side One in which he wrote and sings on the record. And I'm just going to let him introduce it right now. So take it away, the Aux, live in Toronto from 1982. Thank you. In the black corner, the ox. Hello. This is from the Face Dances album. It's called The Quiet One.
Cool partner. He will load 
right, we're back. And that was Joe Strummer with Junko Partner live from the Brixton Academy. And The Who with The Quiet One from the Face Dances album from 1981, which I had mentioned before. I can't I believe John Entwistle wrote a song called The Quiet One, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that had to be some that had to be some kind of like you know like a pun i, I guess oh say. dude i mean n- no no further proof than to watch that smothers brothers footage with the concussion bomb chaos going on on stage and here's john <laughs> yep i'm just talking about in general man yeah I, he's I, like I, a I, war photographer somebody told me that you know when his bass rig was you know set up on stage like there was no miking required that you what you were hearing was literally what was coming out of his fucking speakers yeah. so the guy was far from the quiet one <laughs> well sure yeah but like like he's the calm one on stage he's yeah, the quiet yes. one on stage but his 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 instrument literally does Massive. the talking yeah yes so and, and thank and thanks to uh john for making that appearance courtesy of uh, the toronto maple leaf gardens yeah <laughs> Yeah, we had to get permission from Jack Tunney to get that audio. So, yeah. Right. Yes, it was tough, but we got it. We managed to get yeah. it done. These things, these are the things that happen behind the scenes of the yeah. I Am Final podcast. Yes. So I just wanted to mention, again, you know, the album was released 40 years ago on March 16, 1981. And it did peak at number four on the U.S. Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. And in the U.K., it peaked a little higher at number two. And... It was certified platinum here with over a million copies sold. And in the UK, it was certified silver with over 60,000 copies sold, which again, I always just find those comparative numbers with the US and the UK very funny. And um, some pretty successful singles, I guess you could say. Um, most notably, oh. you, you Better You Bet was the biggest hit on the record. It peaked at number 18 on the Billboard Hot 100. I was going to say, that's the one that's always on all the comps. Yeah. And uh, also one of the first videos ever played on MTV, like the third or fourth video, I think. That's Something right. Like that. As we are approaching the 40th anniversary of that first airing on MTV. Yeah. I got a big, I got some, I got some big episodes planned for Rock Strikes 10 for that anniversary. So stay oh, nice. tuned. Yeah. And yeah, they had, you know, they had some of those mainstream rock chart hits. Another Tricky Day peaked at number six on Billboard Mainstream Rock. And I was I found these interesting. Even like songs like Daily Records peaked at number 36 on Billboard Mainstream Rock. Don't Let Go of the Coat peaked at number 84 on the Billboard Hot 100. That also had that means it was never played. That that means it was never played yeah. ever. Maybe like yeah. once at one in the morning. <laughs> that video was pretty much the same as You Better You Bet. Uh, I think it's a black and white performance. Uh, soundstage thing. Yeah, yeah, performance video. No. And they had a few other Billboard Mainstream Rock hits. Did You Steal My Money peaking at number 38. How Can You Do It Alone peaked at number 50 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. And even You Better You Bet peaked at number one on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart, peaked at number nine on the UK Singles Chart. So again, a little more success in the UK, naturally, being a British band. And this is another song. If I didn't go with The Quiet One, this is another album track that I think tends to get a little ignored in the grand scheme of The Who. But a song called You also peaked at number 51 on the Billboard mainstream rock charts. So those are just some facts. As we mentioned, the album has turned 40 as of March 16, 1981. So now that we've gone through my picks, some that were shared by Joey, it is now time for the Joey show here, as we're going to go into Joey's picks that I did Speed not. Speed round. 
Yeah, it's going to be kind of a speeder. I'm going to try to channel the energy of the great lawn friend. If you remember the old friend at large sketches, I'm I'm not going to do it as fast, but I'm going to do it as fast as possible because sure is going to a lot of great records as Joey fixes his phone right now and he's going to go yeah, into any no, records. Maybe a little funky, maybe a little grungy. Yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. So first one, new garbage record, No Gods, No Masters. I'm assuming like we talked about before with like face dances and some other stuff. This is weird because this literally kind of streeted on the same day. This is a proper new studio album. So that's, that's kind of a weird trend that people are probably going to start doing now where they maybe kind of even piggyback on the day mm. and get a little publicity. First pressing, obviously, the, the color is going to be you know, the chase, if you will, of Wyatt's Record Store Day. Uh, as uh, as with garbage, you would expect a pink vinyl, and you get one. So I'm doing a little bit of that right here. I was thinking when I saw the cover, I was like, this thing's got to be pink, right? A little bit of a see-through kind of bubble nice. gum. I really like the, the package. Everything in the package is on slick, so it feels great in the hand. And I appreciate those kind of things. It's a very strong album. It's the strongest album of their comeback so far. I'm a big garbage fan, and if you are a neo-conservative shitty person you're gonna hate this record of course it, you also are scared of powerful women so you never liked garbage in the first place because shirley manson is a beast and we love her okay moving on here little grungy no uh, <laughs> this one right here goblin do you know anybody know goblin pete you know about goblin out there yeah, uh, yeah european band a uh, lot of you know, they were a rock band, but they pretty much did score. They kind of found their footing in doing film scores in uh, those Italian horror movies. Most famously, the score for Dawn of the Dead, the original, that great score, uh, Killer Gatefold, much like the garbage one on Slick. This feels as amazing as it looks. It looks like a classical bit. You know, it's got this like yeah. Renaissance kind of photo here with a skeleton playing a uh, mandolin on the cover and... Uh, you know, Goblin Green uh, variant here. Oh, that's cool. It looks uh, like but it's Coke Bottle Green. Yeah, and it's uh, it's actually officially called the Greatest Hits 1979 through 2001. It's mostly, you know, like I said, score stuff. Uh, Tenebrae is on here. Phenomena is on here. So a lot of their classic Italian score. And I like picking up a Goblin record here and there. It's it's a nice little break in the action from whatever I'm listening to. So I wish me some horror. What's that? What would you say is like, if you were somebody who never heard Goblin, what would you say would be the go-to record to listen to first? Um, like I said, I would probably just check out the score they did for Dawn of the Dead. Like that is such a journey. Uh, and, you know, just watching the movie, the, and it breaks my rule of score. The score sticks out, but in a good way, kind of like Halloween. Uh, and so you should notice that it's for that reason. It, it takes notice. So I'd say... Over in Italy, it's called Zombie, actually, Z-O-M-B-I, which the, that band named itself after. Uh, so look up their score for Zombie slash Dawn of the Dead. That's a good place to start for Goblin. You'll definitely get the idea of what they're about from there. But if you like cool horror, uh, like rock-based, you know, 80s retro synth sound, then Goblin is your band. No vocals, just instrumental. This one right here, I actually was looking forward to this the most out of anything that came out on Record Store Day. Uh, I was talking about great live albums earlier. This belongs in the good upper echelon side of great live albums. This is Donny Hathaway Live. Uh, this was pressed on Atco through Rhino. And 
I've never had a copy of this on vinyl. I know, shame on me. Uh, Rhino's been really stepping up with Donny Hathaway and just Soul in general this year. Like, I could show you this one right here that I got uh, earlier for uh, Black History Month. They did a really nice pressing of the two album set, Donny Hathaway Best of Collection. And just to have the live album to go with it is badass. Like, that's almost all you need, but Donny Hathaway is one of those guys. That, that This is the kind of cat that David Coverdale was listening to and where he got a lot of his, like, really heavy soul influence from. But this is, like, on that hard cardboard paper. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels really nice and classic, you know, and... Oh, it's so nice. Don't touch this album with greasy hands. It'll stay on there forever. Yeah, yeah, it's live. A-side is Los Angeles, Troubadour. B-side is The Bitter End in New York. And they're like late shows. Some of the best live soul ever captured on Basic Black. I wouldn't have it any other way. Classic Atco label? Yeah, uh, Classic Atco label. No gimmick needed. I'm just glad that it came out. I'm glad that I have it in my collection. Donny Hathaway Live is one of the great, great live albums of all time. As far as live soul records, right up there with Curtis Live. Everybody should have that one, too. The Curtis Mayfield Live album. Donny Hathaway Live. Curtis Live is so good. He made We Only Just Begun sound cool. So you can imagine how good that is to be like that. But, man, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll recognize maybe a nice, cool cover of what's going on on here. Uh, his signature song, The Ghetto, is on here. It, it's it's killer. And talking about how great Curtis made uh, We've Only Just Begun, he made You've Got a Friend sound cool. And that's hard to do. All right. Uh, I'm going to save the weird one for last, actually. Or I guess the weird one by this show standards. So I did get this. The kid in me had to get Kenny Loggins at the movies. I'm not apologizing for this in any way. I do have a bit of a gripe about it. By the way, I love the back cover because it's got the track listing with the song titles on the marquee. Of course, the first song is I'm Alright. <laughs> it is. But my first complaint right there is it doesn't have both songs from Caddyshack 1 on there. Uh, this is a very short record. It is, is eight, eight songs? Actually, it's ten songs. Oh. And it's got all of his other movie songs on here. So I'm all right. Footloose. I'm free. Heaven helps the man. And then uh, see, but you could have had the other Caddyshack song on this side because the Top Gun songs bleed over playing with the boys in side one danger zone picks up on side two. And then the, uh, a, a schmaltzy favorite that I like meet me halfway from over the top. And uh, a song called for the first time, which does not need to be on here because it's from a nineties movie some lame rom-com. I'm like, no, this does not need to be on here. Nobody's fool from Caddyshack 2. The only good thing about Caddyshack 2 is on this record, because that, that's a shit movie, but great theme song. Um, but yeah, that's my one complaint. Take off that 90s song, make it strictly 80s, all three Caddyshack songs, and then this would have been a perfect release. It's still really fun. It's still really good. Legacy did a pretty good job with it. But they screwed up by... And they also had enough time to put in a freaking remix of playing with the boys at the end. No excuse for that. That's garbage. But the fact that I can put on something that has Meet Me Halfway, I'm All Right, and Nobody's Fool, all in the same place. By the way, I, I, I teased this before we recorded. Uh, jo- Giorgio Moroder gets credited with co-writing Danger Zone. I saw Kenny Loggins oh. on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, years ago. And he asked him about that. 
and he said we were in the studio doing this song and uh i saw giorgio have his engineer write the song and that was about it <laughs> so he basically outed giorgio as not even writing the song he said he made his engineer do it huh. and uh so there you go he kind of buried him on tv which is kind of funny actually um all right moving on here uh tom petty yes angel nice. dream which is a this is interesting a reimagining of the She's the One movie soundtrack. Yeah. And because I, lo- I love the She's the One soundtrack, I think it's got some of his best material, period, on there. It's as good, like for the most part, She's the One is as good as Wildflowers. It's pretty much done at the same time. Some of those songs on there are amazing. Like Wall's Circus version is a perfect song. Plus, you got the Lindsey Buckingham backgrounds on top of it. You got Hung Up and Overdue on there. You got Climb That Hill on there. Uh, this one is interesting because it leaves some of the songs from She's the One on there, but like the Walls Circus version, not on here. It's got Walls Number 3 on here instead, which was on that album, but towards the end, almost kind of like a bonus track. Some of these are directly from the original release. Some of these are not. They're alternate versions, and there are some new songs on here too that weren't even on the original. So it does not replace the original She's the One. So if you're, if you're a big fan, like I am, you're gonna wanna have both versions. They are completely different listening experiences. The songs are in different order, the whole bag. So it's an interesting release, I dig it. The only Record Store Day thing is the, 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 you know, it's blue vinyl, but that's the only thing different about it. It's gonna be you know, out and about. It's gonna be pretty much a permanent fixture so far in the Tom Petty catalog that you could buy. So if you're a color person, then you're going to want to get this version, but you can always hold out for the black. It's fine. I was there. I wanted it. So I got there. The color didn't matter to me. I did get this, by the way, this looks like I haven't opened it, but it's like kind of like that OB strip. Oh, that yeah, the OB strip yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's really cool. I'm just going to pull it out. There it is. Yeah. Uh, I got this live Iggy pop record. Now I love Iggy but I have not partaken in many Iggy releases for Record Store Day because it's, you know, it's always like a live album and I'm yeah. kind of like, oh, you know, eventually because they press, here's the other thing, they press so many of them. Like I'm never in danger of them running out. If I ever get itchy for them, I'll go buy them. But this is how much of a nerd I am. I had to get this one, not for the color. The colors are cool, by the way. Like yeah, nice. yeah. They're on like pink and green and they look really cool. They look pretty much like these pictures are. I'm not going to take it out because it would take me forever. But the main reason I got this, actually, it's from 1988, which is not a heralded year for Iggy. He did some, he actually wound up on a few good tours. I know he played like the stadium out here with Guns N' Roses and NXS for some radio show. It's still talked about. Uh, But the the intriguing thing for me is that Andy McCoy of Hanoi Rocks was the lead guitar player on this tour. So having something with that document on here, it's kind of funny that when he gets to the hits, he kind of mails it in a little bit, but oh, it's he? still got a, it's, there's there's still a lot of energy in the show because Iggy, it's really hard for Iggy to mail it in. All right, next record, <laughs> Prince, The Truth. This was definitely a must-have for me. I'm a big Prince guy. I've been a Prince fan since I was three years old. This is not one of those like thrown-together things. For people that don't know, this album was recorded by Prince in 1996, 1997. It's kind of like his, I, I call it his tribute to Joni Mitchell's Blue, because I know he's a big Joni Mitchell guy. Okay. Uh, and it's a laid back acoustic kind of thing. 
there's a couple of electronic drop-ins, but for the most part, it is him on an acoustic guitar by himself uh, with very little addition of any other instrument. And it's, it's a, it, like, it's, like it says, it's the truth. It's a very honest record for him. It's like his divorce album. It's also him dealing with his dead kid. I mean, it's, there's a lot to unpack in this. It's not always in the songs, thankfully, so it's not a terribly dark listen, but it's a nice mellow listen, and I think it's it's definitely something he needed to do at the time. It's just on black, which is fine by me. Um, I really like the it's got the heavy cardboard feel to it. The uh, the it's symbol embossed. is this the symbol is embossed. Nice. And uh, the gold, gold, gold look foil. At the, look at the beautiful track it, listing here, yeah. and that's all embossed too, so you can actually feel all that. Wow, that Great. is nice. Uh, so it, it's a nice record, and he he just threw it out at the end of the Crystal Ball box set, so it never really got a proper release to the public. I think he sold it direct to his fans, but this is kind of like the first time it's really come out to the world as its proper release that it deserves, so I'm glad that people might be getting hip to this. So, But for anybody that might be cynical about it, that it's a true, honest release that he would want to have out. Uh Second to last one, real quick, the Struts album. Uh, I got this because I liked the album. It was a lot of fun last year. Apparently, they recorded it like in two weeks, if that, like 10 mm -hmm. days or something like that. Uh, guest spots, Robbie Williams, Phil Collin, and Joe Elliott, Tom Morello, the aforementioned Def Leppard, and Rage Against the Machine. Here's a tie-in yeah. to this entire episode all on here. And speaking of which, you brought it up earlier, they cover Kisses, Do You Love Me, which you... Asked about with girls' school earlier, it's also on this record. And we could tie it to Def Leppard because Phil Collin, before he was in Def Leppard, covered "Do You Love Me" with the band called Girl. Girl. And yeah. we had talked about girls' school covering "Do You Love Me" as part That's of the weird. <laughs> really weird. All stuff. sorts of nerdery going on here today. <laughs> oh, it's great. And the last one here, I'm going to say that you, you're not expecting this, but uh, I actually, I got this because my wife wanted it, but I'm really glad that she asked to get this because if you're just a vinyl packaging person, and I don't mind this artist at all, but this one was the most popular title of the whole day because I worked it over a good record that was helping out and every other person wanted this record. It was the hot item. I actually thought Ariana Grande was going to be the hot one, and it did well, but this one was a beast. Lady Gaga's Chromatica, okay? Yeah, that's right. Now, I, I saw a lot, of, I actually saw a lot of people, a lot of rock fans that were asking people to try to get that one for them. So, yeah, and I know, and, and she's kind of getting back in the graces of her hardcore fans with this one because it's, you know, it's a pivot back to like the, heavy dance pop that she had done before, you know, with a little bit of edge to it. So it's not like laid back or piano based or acoustic based. So it's a, it's a return to form, if you will. But the trick of this album is it's already been released. They put out this like basic clear white kind of vinyl release. It was real basic. It's real. It's, it, it's, it's just not very aesthetically pleasing. It doesn't fit her character at all. And it didn't say I'm back. This one says, I'm back. This one is just like, I mean, they went for like the alien kind of motif here with the cover. Mm -hmm. And then like, so I opened this thing up and I'm just like, holy crap. Like the, it's all HR Geiger inspired. I mean, she got this crazy outfit on. It's like a cross between like Road Warrior and something else. But all these things here are embossed right here. I mean, wow. this thing 
is pretty great. There's a black hole on the back that's like nothing. I don't even see Paul Stanley's ass on it. But, uh, um, but it's a trifold. And so it's like, my God, there's a lot to unwrap here. Inside of the thing, you can see. Oh, it's lined on the inside. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's green with pink like alien eggs. And that's yeah. everywhere on here. So it's a trifold. It's only one album, yet it's a trifold. It's got this huge booklet that basically it's got all that cool Geiger imaging on it. I'm a big alien nerd, so I really like got into the packaging here. Um, it basically works like a tour book. Like it's got all the lyrics. It's got all these crazy pictures. Let me find some. It's got just crazy shit like this huge hand photo right here. I mean, it basically works like a big, huge tour book. It's like 20, 25 pages. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, you're a, if you're a fan, you're getting your money's worth. Like this thing, I think it was like 50 bucks, but when I opened it up, I was like, this was absolutely worth bucks, it. Look at all the shit you're getting. Yeah, so not only that, so here's the tour book kind of thing with all the lyrics. They got the huge trigate, and it's got all the alien imaging in it. It's just massive. And then you got the oh, record. in embossed, too, I could see. Yeah, everything in here is embossed. Man. I mean, you know, it's... The background stuff is not, and the foreground stuff is embossed. That's it makes it very 3D. Uh, then you got the record inside. I don't even remember what color it is. Oh my god, because there's just so much going on here. Um, but yeah, it's colored. It's got. It looks like something. But the thing that I popped for in the third panel is this little book, and it's basically a graphic novel. Wow. Like it's, it's like this little comic book. Hold out all the stops on this one comic book graphic novel thing i mean this thing they did not mess around it's almost like the old one didn't even come out like so i don't know how well it was selling prior to this i mean i didn't hear about it really setting the world on fire but it's like she basically came and re-released this album but they went hardcore on this so really? out of all the records that came out on record store day that one wins the packaging award that one I love that it's as subtle as she is. Like, it's just good stuff. A lot of bands should take note on this particular packaging. I would love to see, like, Kiss or Alice or somebody, like, go with something like this. It, it was it was just a joy to look through. So, like I said, not even uh, – I like her stuff okay here and there, you know. Seems all right, but that packaging fucking rules, I got to say. So, I, I could – I feel like if we were doing a YouTube thing and I could not talk about that release, even though it's not my record properly. Translucent yellow vinyl, by the way, that's uh... <laughs> okay. so we, we have spun it. Everything in here I have spun and let breathe and all that stuff. So I, I felt, felt good about it. I'm excited. I'm excited about the next one. King's X album stand out to me. And Oh yeah. Well, that's sure we'll, yeah, they're on my sure, list. Sure, yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking about that, but yeah. Before we, we go, I just I just want to just go back really quickly to the Who face dances and just I don't think I mentioned that this was an expanded edition. So besides getting the album on LP number one, on the second LP you get the unreleased tracks, studio tracks that were recorded but not on the album, and you get four live tracks recorded live from Essen, Germany, and broadcast on Rock Palast in 1981. So that's another incentive to pick yeah, it cool. up and yeah. the unreleased tracks are actually very good on here they're not like cheap throwaway tracks they're yeah, actually was, good tracks i was gonna ask you i saw roger daltrey like like bonus tracks don't need to be on records <laughs> like he he was slamming the uh, last release like like 
if they're not on the record, then why are we putting them out? Yeah. <laughs> that made me giggle. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, I, I could see his point, you know. Yeah. It's just one of those things. You know how record labels are going to be. Yeah. They're going to be how they're going to be. So yeah, yeah. You know, there's always going to be bonus tracks out there. That's all I've got, Joey. If that's all you've got, then I think we have another show here in the books. All right. It was fun, Pete. Yeah, same here on my end, brother. And uh, why don't we go ahead and talk about our shows here on cenjradio.com. And I'll, I'll start off here as I'm going to talk about the show by the man sitting right next to me over here. And that is Rock Strikes 10. So if you haven't been listening, I mean, if you're listening to this show, I have to imagine you've, you've heard Rock Strikes 10. They, they were first. So uh, I just want to just mention that I really enjoyed the uh, top 100 of 1981. Those series of episodes were excellent. So I would highly recommend those as some recent episodes to check out here on cnjradio.com. And Joey, why don't you talk about the next show? Yeah, thanks, man. I just posted this week, uh, catching up on, uh, I call it the playlist for the recently deceased, uh, as a little play on words from a classic movie right there. It is what it sounds like, catching up on people that have left us musically. Sometimes they're not known for their music, so I try to get some sort of wacky reference put in there, a song to represent somebody like, you know, like... Uh, like Gary Marshall died a few years ago and I had played like, you know, the thing, the happy days on there, you know, like stuff like that. But I can also go this one. Uh, I think you'll appreciate the married with children references that I throw down on this. Oh, one. Nice. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But we literally go all the way from uh, teen idols of the late fifties and early sixties, all the way to metal in the nineties. And that's what those death episodes do. Uh, uh, already working on the best albums of 1991. Nice. That's that's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing it. Thankfully, I don't have to listen to as many albums as I did for 81. It's weird. I thought 91 would have more records, but they so don't. They have like half. Hmm. I listened to over 250 albums for the 1981 <sighs> countdown, and this one's half that. So this one's going to be a breeze comparatively. So. Another reason I'm looking forward to it. And if I get done with this one and get everything done in time, I will do a 2001 episode by the end of the year. So big things doing on Rock Strikes 10. In addition to all the other fun list shows, recently finally did the uh, self-titled episode where the trifecta, album, song, album, band, song, album, title, where it all matches. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden from Iron Maiden. <laughs> Motorhead, Motorhead, Motorhead. It's on there. I got 10 of them. And apparently there's more. I got I got uh, feedback, so there will be a volume two at some point. Nice. Uh, other than that, check out the flagship wrestling house show, The Synaptic, featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative, Talking Rock with myself and Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, this show, I Am Vinyl, and The Last Theater with Chris. Uh, no Chris, no, none of these shows. Without him, these shows don't exist. So thank you, Chris. Yeah, check out you. The Last Theater. I know there's going to be some more Last Theater episodes coming soon, so that's nice. Uh, that, yeah, stay tuned to cnjradio.com, where I like to say all things rock culture. All right. I couldn't have said it any better. So once again, I'd like to thank anyone who's tuning in here on YouTube or on cnjradio.com, or if you're listening to us on your preferred podcasting device. Thank you for listening and watching us here again. And we'll see you next time with Record Store Day 2021, drop number two, following July 17th. So take care, everybody, and thanks for watching, and thanks for listening. And Joey, thanks once again for 
great discussion and I will talk to you later. All right, man. Look forward to it. Rock and roll. See you.